How many are proclaiming victory this morning? As we greet all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a privilege to see all of you this morning. Amen. Uh, just without waste of time, let us just turn to our Bibles. God bless you, musicians. As we turn to the book of Mark, Mark, the chapter will be chapter 10, uh, the verse will be verse 17 to 26, that's Mark 10, from verse 17 to 26, he found it written in this manner, Amen. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Amen. I hope this morning the reason we are here is because we want to inherit the eternal life. Amen. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all this have I observed from my youth. Is he you can observe commandments and still be without eternal life. Amen. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and, come and take up the cross and follow me. He was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Amen. Oh, let's bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are very much thankful this morning for your grace, for having preserved us, dear God, especially as we have entered what many deem to be a festive season where some would call it a silly season. There's a lot that normally goes on through this season. But Lord, we know that even there are some demonic powers that specialize with this season, dear God. But under the authority of the word of God, we claim every believer and sanction protection upon the life of every believer as they drive on the road. May the Holy Spirit uh, the angel of the Lord, may he take over the steering wheel and the pillar of fire. Let them protect them wherever they are as they are driving around, including those that are here. Lord, we are declaring we don't need any loss of life. And Lord, that may happen outside, but not within the camp. At this point in time, I'm interceding and standing in the camp. And I say, David, whatever you may have planned, I abort every plan that you had in mind. 
about the children of God. And when we come on the other side in January, my expectation is that everyone would be intact because we pray to this prayer, dear God. We commit everything to you. We know a lot of believers are closing up for the year. May you be with them, dear God. Until such time we meet for the convention, and we are having great expectation about the convention. We expect the Holy Spirit to move in a special way. And Lord, if there is somebody that may come into those meetings sick, I don't expect them to go away sick. If there is somebody that can come into those meetings lost, I don't expect them to go away still lost. And Lord, whatever, if there is somebody that comes into those meetings weary, I expect not for them not to go away weary. And Lord, I expect you to do the miraculous, dear God. But not only expecting in the convention, but even in this service, may the Holy Spirit move in a special manner. I don't know these people, but you know them before I've known them. You know their needs, you know whatever they are going through. And I believe you've got the right weight for them in their current situations. We commit every person that is here to you. We commit their whole being, their whole plans to you, dear God, so that may you preserve them, dear God. That is my desire. And may the Holy Spirit move throughout the building in an unhindered manner. May the Holy Spirit minister from city to city. And if there is a burden, take away that burden. If there is a spirit that is tormenting, may you take away that spirit. And at this point in time, I rebuke every spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And I bring every spirit under the, the subjection of the Almighty God. And if there are people that are burdened, we set them free this morning through this prayer. And I say, Lucifer, get by the side. May the Holy Spirit get hold of the people, dear God. That is my desire as I commit everybody to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you richly as we take seat for a couple of minutes. Amen. And God bless you, Sister Malaka. God, good to see you. Amen. Uh, if brothers can just bring my praise on presentation and I've got my pointer here. Amen. We just want to take a couple of minutes and speak about investment. Amen. Investment. Brother Brenham, I think he preached three uh, services where he touched on the investment. Amen. Uh, When we speak about investment, normally we speak about uh, you've got to have something that you've got to invest. Amen. And maybe just to uh, remind you, we once read in the book of Matthew, uh, verse 14 verse, uh, to verse 30, where it was said the kingdom of God is like a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. You remember? And to one he gave five talents. You still remember? And to the other he gave one, five talents. And to the other he gave... Uh, Let me just read it for you in Matthew 25, verse 14. It says, For the kingdom of God is as a man traveling into a far country 
who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one. So five talents to one, two talents to the other, and one talent to one. Are we together? And then uh, to every man according to his several ability, and straight away he took his journey. Then he that, he that had received the five talents went and traded the same and made them uh, other five talents. That means he doubled up. Are we together? And to the two he also gained two. And to the one he went and dug up a hole and put it to it the money into the hole and said, I know the master when he cometh, I will just go and dug the money. Are we together? So don't bury your talent. Hallelujah. Don't bury your talent. So we are going to speak about investment. And this morning I simply say, Everyone that is here has got something in them that God has put in them for his kingdom. Amen. Uh, Do you believe that no one is empty this morning? Hallelujah. No matter what the devil tells you, you did not come into this world empty. There There is a purpose why you are here. Are we together? Now... Just a couple of minutes, and, and maybe one or even before I get into the certain principles that I would want to share with you, what we've picked up is that the uh, talents and gifts are more like when you put the fright on the vessel or on the ship, the heavier they are, uh, the more the vessel sinks. I'm using that figuratively. The more God invests in you, the humbler you become. Are we together? You will realize the gifted people are always the humble people. Are we together? Uh, And then we are going to look into that. But let me start with this uh, quotation that we love dearly in the message by Faith Moses, paragraph 75. He says... You are today what you are, because several years ago, you chose to be what you are now. Does it sink in? You are what you are now, not because your parents, not because of your wife, not because of your uh, uh, husband, not because of your church, not because of your pastor, not because of your elders, but it's because five years, several years ago, you chose to be what you are now. Are we together? And what you choose now will determine what you will be five years from today. Are we together? Life is about choices. Are we together? And, and that is why you've got to be an intentional believer. You must not say, I'm here because somebody pushed me to go this way. You, wherever you will end up five years from now, It's determined by the choices that you make today. And you are where you are today based on the choices that you made five years ago. Are we together? And he continues, he says, uh, five years from today, you may be a missionary. Hallelujah. But you choose today. Five years from today, you may be a missionary. Five years from today, you may be a renowned Christian. 
Are we together? But where does it, when does it start? Today. Five years from today, you may be in hell because you made the wrong decision. And I know that it's beginning to become unpopular to speak to about hell. Folks, there is a heaven to go to and there is a hell to avoid. Do you agree with me on that? There is a heaven to go to and there is a hell to avoid. Five years from today, you may be cleaning spitons in a bar room. Five years from today, you may be a prostitute on the street. Or you may be a man or a woman that's a credit to any society because of your choice for Christ. Five years from today, you may be in glory, gone in the rapture. Because you made your choice today. But you've got to choose. You've got to choose. And what you choose today determines where you will be five years from now. Amen. Now, I've got a diagram. And for those that may have passed to see 80 like Sister Maria, it's a gift from God. Hallelujah. Uh, but uh, actually, your timeline, as soon as you hit 70, beyond 70, you go on by the grace of God. Are we together? Now, these, these are the years in your life, and these are the years that you have been allocated to by the Almighty God. And when we speak about the investment that we speak about, already even before we speak about finances, the years that God has given to you on their own, it's an investment that you can put it back to him. Are we together? Some people, they go through this timeline, and when they come to the end of it, they are full of regrets. There are some that go through it. When they come to the end of it, they are full of glory. Are we together? And sometimes when God has given you the extra years beyond 80, it depends on how you have lived your life because you can spend the rest of your life just reminiscing about how great and glorious God has been upon your life. Or you can spend the rest of those years regretting and having regrets and say, only if I could wish I could turn back the clock of time, I would do it differently. Let me, uh, uh, without revealing much of our age, some of us, even if we can go to our early 20s, if we were to go back to our early 20s, we would still live for this message. Are there people that are agreeing with me this morning? Even if we could go back, Brother Bram say, even if he say I was speaking to a certain young man, and he says, listen, what you are preaching is harder, but if, 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 if I'm older, I can believe in it. Brother Bram says, I really believed in this when I was still a young man. And if God can turn the back the clock of time, I would still believe the way I believed then. Are we together? So in this message, there are, there are no regrets. When you serve Christ, there are no regrets at all. And there is no loss whenever you serve Christ. Are we together? Now, what I, I, I want us to go, there are certain elements even before I get into my notes. And I said, everything, everybody that is here has got something to give back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything that you have belongs to God. Hallelujah. A godly believer knows that everything that I have belongs to God. 
My life belongs to God. Hallelujah. My health belongs to God. My family belongs to God. My life belongs to God. My job belongs to God. Everything I have belongs to God. Are we together? Because why do we we want you to know that everything that you have belongs to God? It's because you own nothing. You absolutely own own nothing. You are a steward of God's resources. Do we agree on that one? Hallelujah. And as we read in the parable, everyone has been allocated something. To one he gave five, to the other he gave two, to the other he gave one. So everyone has been allocated something. Whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, there is a certain gift or a certain talent that God has given for you so that you can use it for his own kingdom. Are we together? But after he has given you that, there's got to be accountability. God expects you to use those talents in a, in a specific manner. Are we together? And then utilization. What you don't use, you lose. Determination. Based on what God has given you, the devil is going to instill fear in you not to utilize that. Determination. And fear will keep you from using your own talent. Application. If I don't use it, I will use it as I indicated. Compensation. You are going to be rewarded on how you use it. Are we together? Uh, If we can just leave it as it is. Let me see. I'll come to those men. Amen. Are are we together? I hope we are together. But before I get to the... Uh, folks, and just to demonstrate how valuable you are. One soul in the economy of God is worth 10,000 wealth. Are we together? And when we say wealth, we are speaking about the value of the wealth. And if you can put it, maybe if we were to play around with numbers, uh, I'm told that the wealth is close to over, is it seven, seven trillion U.S. dollars or something like that, uh, the wealth economy, that's what it, it is worth on annual basis. So you can take the very thing and, and times it by 10,000. That's what you are worth in God's economy. That's what your soul is worth. So your soul is priceless. Do we agree? Your soul is priceless. Brother Brenham says in the message, The Lamb's Book of Life, he speaks about the time where he received the uh, Ford T model. And he says, I got this car, I loved this car, I used to wash this car, but after some, several years, I saw that the car got older, and after it got older, it started, it got older, it started breaking down. And later, he was given a Cadillac. And he says, it's no-brainer. The, the way the Ford ended... That's exactly how the Cadillac will end. But it says, if I can take one time to win one soul to the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, but one soul saved, you will see your name wrapped into it as long as there is a morning star that shall glitter. So let's save souls, brethren. Are we together? So that means even before I get into certain things, the greatest investment that you can make in God's economy, 
is to use your gift, is to use your talent to draw one soul into the kingdom of God. And Brother Branham said, as long as there is eternity, your name shall be wrapped around that soul. Hallelujah. Folks, do you still believe that there are going to be crowns to be given out for those that have labored for this message? Hallelujah. Every soul that you win to Christ, it counts towards somewhere. Are we together? I hope we are together. Amen. Now, the prophet of God says, a fellow that's got money to put to a good investment, I mean the message investments, paragraph 9, preached on the 24th of November 1962, a fellow that's got money wants to put it to a good investment, a man that has as much as, say, $10,000, he would like to put it to some investment. Don't keep it in your pocket because you know thieves will steal it. So that means if you and brother, you will see, we are going to use the natural principles as we migrate to the spiritual principles. So when you've got a, a, a money, you don't put it under the bed. It will never double up. Are we together? If you put it in your pocket, the thieves are going to steal it. And actually, the scripture says, if you keep your life, you are going to lose it. But if you lose your life for the sake of the gospel, you will get it back. Are we together? There is nothing that you lose because of the gospel that you have lost entirely. Everything that you lose, it shall be returned back to you. Not only in its original form, but sevenfold. And if you need a witness, ask Job about that. Don't keep it in your pocket. Because you know thieves will steal it. So you don't want to do that. So you want, if you are a sound, good, sound businessman, you want to put it to something that will draw dividends. You want to put it to something that will generate or bring usury. You know about the talents in the Bible. So you must put it to some use that will draw the dividends out of it. Some good, sound business. Are we together? So that means your life, if God has given you a life, don't keep it to yourself. Because if you keep it to yourself, it is not going to draw the dividends. Your life has got to be invested somewhere. And this morning, we've got a a choice. You can spend your life, you can keep your life, or you can invest your life. But those that invested their lives in the Lord Jesus Christ will regain their life, and their life will be eternal lives. Uh, Are you still with me? He continues, he says, then in, in doing so, you don't want to put it in something that isn't sound. No man would want to do that. A good, smart businessman wouldn't think of such a thing. You men wouldn't do that, and you women wouldn't do that. You put it into something, one of these years get rich overnight, don't, don't know where it came from. Better be careful about that. You lose all of it. We are living during a time where everywhere where you attend, there are pyramid schemes where people will say, you need to give us money, we will triple it. Let me tell you something. With investment, if it sounds too good to be true, it is not good at all. Are we together? So that means, what is happening, brother, when you've got the investment, you've got to first do a background check 
of the investment company where you're going to put your money into. Brother Mose, it must be a reputable investment company. It must have paid out. It must have an excellent track record. Are we together? So that means even your life, before you put your life anywhere, you must do a background check. And if a religion sounds too good to be true, definitely there is something wrong with it. Are we together? A real religion will push you to a point where you've got to change. And I say anything that you believe in and does not change you, there is something wrong with it. Are we together? And actually the true gospel when it comes to a believer, it has to make a believer uncomfortable. And whenever you hear what you deem to be the word of God, and it just tickles your your ear, something is definitely wrong. A real gospel will bring conviction in your heart. Are we together? And it says, better be careful. You lose all what you've got. Because it's a gamble. And gambling is not a good, sound business practice. It's got a chance to eat. You don't want to take them kind of chances. And I had much better put it across. Every believer... If you are a real believer and you really are a child of God, a child of God does not participate in lottery. Hallelujah. A child of God does not participate in those gimmicks. Are we together? Gambling is a sin. Ah, Are you here, brothers? We will never pray for you to win lottery. We will pray for you to repent from participating in lottery. Lottery is of the devil. I hope I've made myself clear. Amen. But he, he says, but you want to put it in something, in some good, sound firm that pays great dividends. Something that's stable. And I, I feel led to come back to gambling. Some reason I thought I was done with it. It will wipe off your family. Gambling is addictive. Are we together? And I know what I'm talking about. We've got some close family members that participated in gambling. They've lost their family. They've lost their job. They've lost their pensions. Gambling is dangerous. And if you've got a problem with gambling, you had much better come and see me so that God can deliver you from that spirit. And always, gambling, how it operates, is like a mirage. I'm told, those that have done a research have indicated to me that actually when you are a first-time gambler, your likelihood of winning is high. And somebody actually said there is a suspicion that when you walk into... Uh, a casino. There are cameras that are able to observe who are the first time comers. And uh, those are the ones that are going to be helped a lot of times by the casino staff. And the reason they are helping them is to make sure that they are winning. To give them a false impression that if I won 5,000, I can win 10,000. And for every 5,000 that you spend, you're, for every 5,000 that you win, you're going to lose 10,000. So the net effect, you will be worse off. Are we together? 
But once you have won and it has given you the illusion that you can win, then even though we may convince you that it does not work, you are going to convince that, look, I won last week. But let me tell you something. Over time, you get to a point where you've got to sell your car to raise money to participate in gambling activities. And any man or any woman that gambles, because even women are gambling, I was shocked the other time I was driving to Polokwani, and I saw uh, 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 what, what looked like a container, and I wanted to do a printout. I thought it was somewhere, maybe an internet cafe. When I got there, I realized that actually it's a gambling facility in the middle of nowhere. And when I walked in there, I found old women in their 60s. They are busy there gambling. And my heart was broken because this is their pension money. And I'm simply saying it's because the devil brings, it gives you this illusion that if I participate, I'm going to win. Let me tell you something. No one has ever won with the devil. I'll repeat. No one has ever won with the devil. Don't ever take a risk with the devil. I hope I've addressed that. Amen. I will come back to it. Hallelujah. But, uh, how it starts, the devil has got a, a recruitment process. And the devil is very clever. I've seen now the uh, South African breweries has launched a beer, Castle. They say it's 0% alcohol. Hallelujah. Hear me out. The intention, it tastes like castle. It feels like castle. Therefore, it is castle. Are we together? But the main, and I have been in marketing, I know what I'm talking about. For we cannot just bring you as a teacher toller, somebody that does not drink. We cannot just bring you on board to consume alcohol. We've got to introduce something to captivate you. And the main thing when they introduced the cider market, it was to recruit women into alcohol portfolio. And once they got they started drinking uh, maybe whatever ciders that were there. But before you knew it, then they started drinking Castle Light. Before you knew it, they started drinking Castle. So this is a migration, folks. If, he, if the devil presents something to you, you must know that it is of the devil and you must stay away from such. Are, are we together? Because what's happening, he, he, it, it makes, he makes you to be customized to curse it. And the moment you, at some point in time, you are not going to come in touch with the castle that is 0% alcohol. You're going to get into touch with castle that is 4% alcohol. But because you are taste, you are, you are, you, you've got a craving for it, there is an addiction for it. Before you know it, you are an alcoholic. But how does it start? It starts in a subtle manner. The devil is very deceptive. And I'm going back to the issue of gambling. He is not going to start with you dragging you into a casino. Hallelujah. I don't know. I'm just putting it across for what it is. He may come and say, this is a scratch cut. And you scratch and you win. And uh, until you say, goodness, I'm a lucky person. And then you keep on participating. He, he's actually promoting you. And before you know it, you are actually in the real casino. 
So everything that starts, ask yourself, what shall be the end of this thing? Hope it makes sense, even to those that don't say amen. 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 You turn around and say to your neighbor, gambling is a sin. Amen. Amen. And even if you come having won something, we'll reject it. Oh, yes, we will reject it. Amen. Amen. Let me just pass. Amen. Or I might as well dwell the whole message because some people are gambling with their lives. You, you, you know why we believe the message? We know the people that have believed the message where they are today. After they crossed over, we know where they are. So that is why I believe and that is why I asked the the daughter of Brother Looney Jenkins, who just left the message, Kathy Jenkins. And I asked this very simple question to her, because she's a son-in-law, a daughter-in-law. And I said to you, you have left the message, and you say there's something wrong with it. But my question, I've got a question for you. When your father-in-law was still around, he was a renowned teacher of the message. And he has led many souls to Christ. And on his deathbed, he confirmed that this is the truth. And he passed on peacefully. My question is, you need to ask to answer me, where is Brother Loni Jenkins today? Is he in heaven or in hell? Now she had a problem because you cannot see your father-in-law is in hell. She said to him, my father-in-law is in heaven. I say, whatever took your father-in-law to heaven, it will take me to heaven. So leave me alone with it. Amen. Are we together? Investments. Brother Brenham says, good business or a good businessman knows better than to gamble. He's bringing it again. Don't gamble. You are going to lose it. Young person, are you hearing me? Don't gamble with your lives. You are going to lose it if you gamble with it. And especially because we are living during a dangerous time. These times are not like when your mom and dad used to grow up, where they can leave the message maybe for six months or a year and come back and say, oops, I was just out, now I'm back. What is happening today? You go out, when you come back, you come back having been affected in so many ways that you never thought you would be affected. So my advice is that to begin with, never leave the gospel. Remain in the camp. God has got everything that he needs to provide for you in the camp. Uh, we together. You can't win gambling. You are a pauper one time, a rich man the next then back a papa again. Gambling is a disease. Hallelujah. That's why I say you need deliverance from it. It's a disease. 
and this touches me, folks, because I've got a family member. How he started very good. He was coming up nicely, working within the banking institution. Everything was going fine until he started attempting gambling. Before we knew it, he resigned, took the very money, his pension. He doesn't even know what he used it for. And before we knew it, the wife started complaining. And gambling people that are gambling, they begin to push their wives into debt. The wife started making loans because it seems like there is deficiency until it came to a point where if he was given money to go and pay rent, he didn't pay rent, he went to gamble because what's happening? Gambling, it's a disease and it has destroyed so many people and I'm simply, our government, the problem with our government, they tell you that you can manage it. You can never manage sin. The best way is to get rid of sin totally. And I'm saying a godly gospel should have eradicated casinos all over the country. But the problem is that they get tax from it. What the politician deals with during the day or pretends to deal with during the day is the very thing that he promotes at night. Amen. Brother Branham says, you can gamble in religion and might not know it, but you can. How do you gamble in religion? You can just be a religiously inclined person, come to church, have relationship with believers, make sure that your name is in the church book, Make sure that uh, I know I'm going to heaven, but without knowing that inside you have really experienced the new birth. And any person that will just be part of the religion without new birth, you are gambling with your life. That is why the scripture says, at that day many shall come to me and say, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not preached in your name? And it says, I shall say to them, depart from you, doers of iniquity. What is iniquity? To know the right thing to do, but you don't do it. And that's gambling. Amen. Are you still with me? Amen. Now he says, or maybe before I get there. My question with you, where do you invest your time in? Your time is an investment. And how you use your time reflects where you have put your treasure in. Do you want me to read you something about time? The prophet of God says in the message, the West Sinner in the city, paragraph 82, I wonder, I wonder tonight if there would be a person here like that woman, referring to the Samaritan woman. You might not be a prostitute. You might not be a prostitute. But you may be a prostitute on a higher level. Prostitution doesn't mean sexually every time. You can prostitute your time. Did you hear that, folks? And a lot of times, whenever a time that has been allocated for God and you use it for something else, 
you must begin to know I'm prostituting with God's time. Did that sink in? I mean, it's just a quotation that I'm reading. Where do you invest your time? Amen. You can prostitute your time. You can prostitute your faith. A genuine faith in God. But when it is misplaced, you believe in whatever fortune tell us. And that faith was supposed to be invested in God. The time that you're supposed to use it for God, you use it to, for sport. When you do that, you are prostituting with God's time. Are we together? And whenever you prostitute with God's time, there's bound to be repercussions. You can never be at the wrong place at the wrong time without ending in the wrong action. Did you hear me? When the battle was raging, David, instead of having been with the soldiers, he was there peeping through the window and saw a naked woman, Bathsheba. Are we together? What happened there? He was at the wrong time, at the wrong place. Are we together? But had he been in the battle, he would have never fallen into that. But I'm simply saying, how are we using our time? And a lot of message believers in the end time, we are prostituting with God's time. If you are not listening to the tape, you are prostituting with God's time. If you are not reading the spoken word, you are prostituting with God's time. If you are not in service when you are expected, you are prostituting with God's time. If you don't spend time in the closet in prayer, you are prostituting with God's time. And God does not want 90% of your time. He only needs 10% in a day. If a week goes by without you being in prayer, you are prostituting with God's time. Are we together? You can never say, I'm in a relationship where you don't give your time. Are we here, sisters? If your husband just says, I love you, but never spends time with you, never goes shopping with you, never sits down and fellowship with you, oh, there is something wrong with that relationship. Whenever a man values something, he's got to invest in their, in, 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 into it. Are we together? And the, this morning, there are three critical things that you need to observe, because unless you observe them, the devil is going to overrun you. You have faith in God. The devil is going to want to attack that. The second thing, the development of your family. The devil is after your family. I expected a better amen than that one. Are we together? And the reason we are not saying amen is because we are are not vigilant. You've got to be vigilant. Your faith in God, the development of your family, and the status of your finance. And this is where message believers become jittery when you speak about finance. Let me put it this way. I can call you to the altar and preach the seventh seal to you. But I want to tell you, if you are in the middle where your car is about to be repossessed, you are affected by that. Are we together? I'm preaching to you, but once I'm done with you, you've got to go back to the real world and deal with the real devils. So I must equip you so that when the real devil comes, you've got the right armament against the devil. That's why we are not preaching fairy tales here. We preach about something that you can utilize on Monday morning. 
Amen. And uh, while speaking about investment, the Bible says a good man leaves his children a good, an, an inheritance, a, a, a heritage. Are, are we together? And uh, when everyone, because these days it's not only brothers that are breadwinners, even sisters are breadwinners. When you are a breadwinner, you must always make sure that, and I'm saying you can spiritualize certain things. But once you are gone and you have gone to glory, we don't want to give you as a testimony that our brothers crossed over, but you have left a mess here. Are we together? I know what I'm talking about. We had brothers in church who were great men that were in church, but as soon as they died, their families are now suffering because they never made provision for their families. And now a child, the father is gone. The father was a prayer warrior. A father was there. Maybe was a deacon or an elder or whatever it may be. But while you are looking now, the debt is gone, but there is no money to pay for school fees. And the children are looking at the pastor and say, but if the pastor is a good man, why did he not advise my dad to do the right things? Are we together? And either the two things, the church either takes your burden or it avoids it. And if it avoids it, your children goes further. You as a father, you must have the ability to father your children even beyond the grave. Are you here? It may sound too fundamental, but it is critical. Do you hear me? Because you can make your girl child to be vulnerable. If you have not made a provision and she's there and she's disparate, she goes to this mining company looking for a job and you've got twisted men that say, before you get a job, we need to sleep with you. And she ends up going through that process because the father never made the right provision. And furthermore, we don't blame the father, we blame the pastor for not throwing caution to the wind to say, we need to be responsible. And I'm, as I'm speaking about investment, I'll be touching different forms. And to make a provision for your family, it does not mean that you've got to be rich. A simple life cover is critical for every breadwinner. You want to bring it to a message? William Brenham's children are not suffering. They are not begging from the dustbins. Their father made a provision for them. And their father, he is our example. I know amens are now evaporating. Amen. Because that's when the church wants to throw the preacher off balance. So that he's not sure, am I right or wrong? Should I continue? I'm continuing. Amen. I'm not going to leave it. I'm continuing. Amen. Are we here, brothers? Yes. Yes. Amen. I thought you can prostitute with God's time. A church is a good cultivator of talent, but often it is the very victim of the same talent. What do I mean by saying that? I have never, every artist that I've ever studied about, all of them they have started where? 
but all of most of them don't end up in don't know whether I can still control it. This gentleman read fully. Brother Brown speaks about him. He says read fully. He was the best, one of the best musicians in the 20th century. But how he started he was just an ordinary singer as a deacon in church. But when you came to the end of Red Foley, he did not want anything to do with God. Brother Brenham shocked me. Maybe I must read it for you so that I must not thumb suck it. He says, I was reading the other day that where the psychiatrists in the United States are going to each other. <laughs> we live during a neurotic age. The same psychiatrist that you are consulting with, he is going to a psychiatrist somewhere that he is consulting with. And maybe you don't know, folks. You don't know. I am told the greatest abusers of drugs are doctors. So a doctor that is looking at you and examining you, he might be under drugs himself. We are living in a dangerous time. That's why put your faith in no man. Put it in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why when you go to a doctor, you must say, God, may you undertake for us as the great physician that even though that man may be under drugs, but under the subjection of the great physician, he can do the right thing for you. Yes, I know what I'm talking about. Some women, they would go to a doctor and they say maybe a Philippine chip is blocked. But you, you wonder, the doctor goes and removes the one that is right and leaves the one that is damaged. And you say, what was the purpose of this operation? It's because people are not sober. Without Christ, you can never be sober. I don't care how you're a professional you can be. Without Christ, you are not sober. Amen. Amen. Uh, he says, I was reading the other day that where the psychiatrists in the United States are going to each other, where the great singers like Entertainers like Arthur Godfrey. This is this gentleman. Arthur Godfrey. And a lot of those people with their wise cracks and so forth. Some of them have as many as three psychiatrists. One is not enough. A New York newspaper reporter took two years to search it down. That rock and roll boogie-woogie Elvis Presley, a modern-day Judas Iscariot, that boy was a Christian in a Pentecostal church with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The prophet said Elvis Presley had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
But then your question would be, if he had the baptism of the Holy Ghost, why did he turn his back on Christianity? The Holy Ghost, when it baptizes you, it depends on which level does the Holy Ghost baptize you on. If it baptizes your body, you get healed. If it baptizes your spirit, you get good. But if it baptizes your soul, there is no way that God shall ever lose you. Hallelujah. He could have never sung those great songs unless he was under the anointing. Let me tell you something. When Elvis Presley sings Amazing Grace, he will reduce all of you to tears. He's, he's anointed. However, the same guy that is anointed, when he begins to play rock, young women, they undress their underwear and throw them into the stage. From one anointing that seems holy to another anointing that seems demonic. And that's why when you have got a talent or a gift, make sure that you are grounded in the weight. Because the same talent, the devil can take it and pervert it and many can go to hell. I know his pastor. I know his master. Uh, his mother, I know them very well. Judas Iscariot got 30 pieces of silver out of Christ, and he got a fleet of Cadillacs, uh, but he sold his birthright. Red Foley, a deacon in the church, sold his birthright and took his talents and gave it to the world. Today, they have psychiatrists to keep them up. Presley has had three or four heart attacks, and yet in his teens, it's a strain. It's a strain. Amen. Are you still with me? And everyone, just listen to the contrast here where he speaks about a brother because this brother's name, brother, I'll just read it for you. He says about a brother that deposited his talent and his gifts in the economy of God. And here's my question for you. If God has given me the eloquence of speech, what am I going to use it for? For his weight or for the world? Some of you, God has given you the ability just to be conversational. And you can use your gift of being conversational to spread gossip. Or you can use that gift to tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. But every person in the building, they have a gift. No one is empty. He says in the message, and it's containing for the faith, paragraph 2, he says, hearing this, our brother, and those baits like that. So this brother would listen to baits, and he would come and imitate them precisely. And Brother Brum say, that is a spiritual gift. They try to impersonate it once. See how you get along. That means you cannot impersonate it. But God gave it to that brother. I heard this young man singing that song, Yielded Lord to thee. And how that brother cobbled sitting there, told me he was just converted out of the nightclub, he and his wife. 
and how that singing, trying to impersonate that, it's a gift. It comes from God. Now, the gift was in him when he was born. A gift you are born with it. I cannot give it to you as a pastor. The church cannot give it to you. And as a matter of fact, it cannot take it away from you. And actually, every person, even those that have not yet seen in the light of the hour, when they are gifted, every gift comes from the Almighty God. Did you hear me? Every gift comes from the Almighty God. It depends on what you use it for. And every person that is here is born with a gift. And it says, now the gift was in him when he was born. The gift was in the other men when he was born. But what did they use it for is what goes. Every man will have to answer for his talent. God gives, gives men talent and they have to use it. Some can preach like a house on fire and the other different things. But God requires these talents. I'm thankful to know that these two brethren sitting back there have yielded their talents which they could be out here in nightclubs and everything else using those talents, but they surrendered them to the Lord Jesus Christ to win souls. I'm happy for that. And that is why, folks, that is why, in the message we are very discerning. Hallelujah. Brother Mervyn is a great drama, but he cannot go to a nightclub and be a drama there, and Sunday morning he makes his way to church. You cannot mix the two. Are we together? Are you here, church? So if brother is a pianist, he cannot say, hey, today I will be playing at such and such place, nightclub such and such, and later he wants to play for us. No, say. Wherever the people are, they must know this gift, it's a gift of God, and it must be used for God. Are we together? Are you here, folks? The same with me. I cannot say maybe I'm a good speaker and I use my good speaking and later you hear that I'm running into politics. It does not work like that. And I know what I'm talking about. There's a quotation where Brother Bram say one minister who was a good minister, they later asked him to run to be the mayor of the city. Before he knew it, he was gone. Brother Bram say he had nothing to do with that. Are we together? It does not mean that I will not get involved in community issues, but I cannot run for a position as a mayor or a local politician. I'm not a politician. I'm a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. And wherever I go, I must represent Christ. Are you here, folks? Because you can never go to a place and not pick up a spirit. Amen. That's why if, if, if we would ever hear that one of our musicians, Brahmevan, I'll use you as an example, that you were playing at, what's this location, please? Velumit. You will never play for us. As soon as they report and we confirm that you were there, you are not going to play for us. Are we together? That means what's happening, you need to jealously protect that talent. Everywhere where you go, you must say, I'm ministering this for the betterment of his kingdom. I'm ministering this so that one soul can come to Christ. Are we together? I'm not saying you cannot do it at weddings. But you've got to be discerning. You can use it anywhere else. But not at nightclubs and gigs and so forth. No say. 
And I know some message people. There was a church that I once knew where they had a great pianist. And this pianist was living unclean life. And I asked, I said, guys, what are you doing with this guy that is living unclean life? They say, he's the only one that is talented. Let me tell you something. I would rather have a piano that does not have a piano player. Hallelujah. That whoever stays behind it must be living a Christian life. We are not after talent. We are there after the life that accompanies the talent. And if the life is not right, we reject the talent. But if the life is right, we embrace the talent. Amen. Are you still with me? Amen. And I'm simply saying, young ones, we said everything before this man went away. He called the servants and he gave them the talents. The talents were not theirs. The talents were of the master. They did not own anything. And when you want to get somewhere and be blessed in God's economy, be a good steward. And we have picked up from a principle that if God gives you something and you become very faithful to it, he will double it. Are we together? And if you become dishonest about it, what he will do? He will take it away. Now, and everyone, as we indicated, had their own share. And I need to go back to the parable. To one he gave five, to the other he gave two, the other he gave one. And I, it dawned on me that why the one that had one failed, whereas he was supposed to be a speciality in that. Why the one with five he was able to, to have, because the more you have, the risk you have. To him, much is given, much will be required. But this one guy that has been given one talent, he just decided that, listen, I don't want any problem. I'm going to dig a hole. I'm going to put it here. And when I hear that it's coming, I'll just come and open it and give it to him. Are we together? That is laziness. And laziness is a dangerous condition. And Brother Bram said the danger today, Christians are lazy. And they, yes, Christians are lazy. And I can bring it even the natural. Our young men in the message are beginning to be lazy as well. And when you are a young man, you must remember, you've got a responsibility. Even though you are not married, you are 21. There are certain people that are depending on your life and you have not yet met them. Your wife and children. And how you live your life today determines what you will be five years from today. And a young man today, he makes responsible decision because he knows that tomorrow I will be somebody's father. Tomorrow I will be somebody's husband. And a real young man will always seek the will of God before they do everything. And say, God, lead me. I don't know how the future will pan out. But you, God, know the end before the beginning. And a young man will consult with God even before he gets intoxicated by the love that he has for a girl. Because God has got a way to sober you up even when you are intoxicated by love. 
And when you've fallen in love, God has got the way to say, stand up and have a clear view of what you are getting yourself into. Marriage can ruin your life. Marriage is an investment. And I'm saying in this church, and I've said it many times, when a young man marries right, he has already won half of life's battles. And if he marries wrong, he has already lost half of life's battle. And getting married to a wrong partner is like having an itching bone. You don't know how to scratch it. There's no way out. Once you said, I do, it is irreversible. It is lifetime. So that's why you've got to be very, very sober. And your vision must be able to penetrate beyond the church, the facade, or the makeup of the church. Same thing, sisters. It's not about a beautiful car. These days, demons are driving X5. You must be able to say, nice car, nice suit, but goodness, wrong spirit. And people wonder you have lost your mind. And another brother come riding a bicycle. You say, goodness, no car, nothing, but right spirit. It's not about what he has. It's about who he is in relation to God. And there is nothing that is heavy than being in a marriage that you regret. And a lot of people today, the reason they've left the message is not because they hate the message. They knew that as long as they are in the message, there is no way out. So the first thing they need to attack the message because they want to leave their partner. Because there is no way that you can leave your partner and still embrace the message. Did you hear me? You can never leave your partner and still embrace your marriage. And if you are bold and you want to leave, you're going to remain single for the rest of your life. I hope I've not shocked you. I was just telling you the truth. Amen. And those talents, after God has given it to you, there is an expectation. There is accountability. I, as a pastor, God has given me this church to lead. It's a privilege. It's not a right. It's a privilege. However, I must know Uh, One day, I will be accountable for this church. Anything that has ever been found in this church that was not supposed to be in this church, I'm going to be accountable for it. And that is why the reason when you hear us preaching in the manner that we are preaching, we know that we've got a master who has given us these things and we must be stewards. And at the day of judgment, I simply want to hear, to hear him pat me on the back and say, you have done very well, my faithful servant. And if I became unpopular with people, it's fine as long as I'm popular with him. Because some people would rather be popular with people and be unpopular with God. A human being has got no seat of judgment. It's only God that can judge a human being. So every time I come, I say, God, make me be more accountable. And actually, Brother Branham has left us here as pastors to be good stewards of this message. Accountability. What have you used it for? It is wrong to bury your gift. 
And uh, even before I get there to determination, there's many people that can do a lot for God, but they've got fear, self-doubt, self-pity, self-consciousness. Those are the three things, three elements within fear. Whenever the devil uses it, he makes you to doubt yourself. And what does he use? He will use your background. How were you born? Have you picked up every time Brother Branham, whenever he preached, he would come and say, I was born in an alcoholic family. And says, when we were born, in, says, the Branhams, the, the, all they are known for is to how to brew moonshine. And when you go and check in Brother Branham, you can feel that a lot of times the devil wanted to use that to degrade him and say, you are not much of a preacher. You know what happened from the background on which you came from. You don't have the credentials as a preacher, but I'm glad that the angel of the Lord was by his side to affirm him in the ministry. Amen. Are we together? And if you don't use it, if you've got a talent of singing, I, 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 have, I have got a, a challenge. If, if somebody says, I don't want to be the only one singing in church, what if God has elected you to be the only one singing in church? You see, the problem a lot of times we react on what people are saying not getting a feedback from our master. And folks, we are here not to serve people. We are here to serve our master. And those that love our master will be served by us. Are we together? So every person is here to minister. And your ministry must never be limited by what people are saying. Your ministry must flow. You must not care what other people are saying because you know who you are saving. If you are saving us, people have got away. People, people can really take you on a roller coaster. One person can step even after you have preached. Another person can step, step to you and say, goodness, the sermon was horrible. But another one comes and says, this was my aunt today. And as a minister, you don't care about what, who said it's horrible, who said it's a blessing. You are looking up to him and say, God, I did the best that I can do because I'm saving you. Because if you are saving people, if they tell you that it's horrible, next week you are not going to be here. You're going to be, you're going to have a self-pity, feeling pity for yourself. I tried my best. I didn't sleep. No, he knows what you are doing. Your talent must be to save him, not to save the people. The people shall be saved by him through you. I hope it makes sense. Amen. Now, let's just go to the text that we just read. We're going to keep you long. Mark 10. Verse 17. And when... 
And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and knelt to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy mother and mother, uh, thy father. He answered and said unto them, Master, all this have I observed from my youth. Brother Bram says, when the Lord Jesus Christ looked at the young man, he loved him. Brabham says this young man was an upright man. This young man was an honest man. And that's all the reason there must be, Brabham says, there must be something that the Lord Jesus Christ might have, must have seen in the boy for him to love the boy. But as we continue, he said, he answered and said unto him, Master, all this have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. It does not mean for you to follow Christ, you sell your possessions. No. Actually, when I checked, the same way when Abraham, when God said to Abraham, the son that you have waited for this many years, go and make a sacrifice. Use him as a sacrifice. And Abraham woke up in the morning, went with the servants all the way. They climbed to the mountain. And when he got to a certain spot, he said to the servants, Remaineth here. I will go with the boy to worship and will come back. But Abraham was determined what he was going to do. He went up the mountain. He took out the sword. As he was about to cut off the head of Isaac, the angel held his hand. But what was happening, God wanted to check the level of commitment of Abraham. And God is not looking for people that are interested. God is looking for people that are committed. Interested people are not committed people. They are interested when everything goes fine. But committed people, whether it's dark or whatever they may be going through, they are still committed. Are we together? So the Lord Jesus Christ, when he says, sell your possession, he was looking to check the level of commitment for this young man. And I believe had he sold his possessions, he was going to reap more. Are we together? Let's continue reading it. Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. And my question to you is this. This young man... He wanted the eternal life. But the eternal life was standing in front of him. Eternal life was saying to him, sell all and come and take up your cross and follow me. But you can see, although he kept the laws, although he kept the commandments, 
but he did not know in who in whom he was investing his life on. That's why when the Lord Jesus Christ appeared, he looked at the Lord Jesus Christ and did not discern who was he. And I'm simply asking a question: Are you willing to give up your all for the Lord Jesus Christ? Because what's happening, folks? There are certain times where you've got to sacrifice for the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil is going to throw kept balls at you. Where you've got to choose a certain route and a certain route. And when you observe the route that you may choose that is without God, it may seem like it will be rewarding. And the route that you may have to choose, that God is there, it may look like it will be taxing. But a real believer does not care about who is rewarding. He says, Lord, wherever you lead me, I will follow. And God has never let down his children. And there is never one person that has ever invested in God's economy that has ever lost everything. And when I say investment, the best investment that you can do this morning is to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning, all we are simply doing, we are saying every one of you, chances of you dying is one out of ten, which means 100%. But one thing that we are simply telling you is that we are selling an insurance. We are showing a life assurance. While you've got the undertaker, you've taken your policy with Old Mutual and Metropolitan or Asapol or whatever it may be, those are responsible to make sure that they dig the grave and they put you into a casket and they put you into a ditch and cover you. But the one that we are selling this morning has got the ability to say, once you are gone down there, it can call you up back to life again. This has got eternal life, folks. And your insurance, uh, uh, because you take, you have taken it because you, mainly you are driven by your concern. And yes, you've got to take it. But a lot of times, uh, there's, there's fine print where you have taken your insurance, but there is a fine print. And I've heard where uh, life insurance, uh, insurances were declined because they just come and say, listen, you told us that you weigh 100, but we picked up that, no, he was weighing 150. Just to decline it. Any insurance company is looking for loopholes to decline your claim. But this one is looking for every opportunity to honor your claim. Are you here, folks? Another one is to bury you. Another one is to take you out of the grave. Which one is more important? And I've been there where I presided over funeral procession. And we go there and the casket comes down and they cover. But there's coming a time where everybody have got to turn their back on the grave. Everybody is going back to their normal business. And you are remaining there. And my question always, I'm saying, the person that we leave behind, are they sure they will respond to the voice of the resurrection? And real believers, that have made the right investment, when they come and face the chilling hand of death, they are able to look their families in, in, in the eye and say, see you later. Death doesn't mean anything. It's a change of a dwelling place. They are a believer this side. They are a believer on the other side. And that is why, folks, we want to encourage you, while you are still here and you, are, you still have your sanity, make sure that you make the right investment. And the right investment is to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And without you accepting Christ, you are gambling with your life. 
It's now, what date is it? Is it 3rd December? In January, around mid-Jan, the government will be announcing statistics of road casualties. They will say 950 people have perished on our roads. They have not yet perished now. They are here to, to perish. It's a norm Easter, December. My question is, none of those 900 plus people know who they are. Some are planning for 31st, but they don't know that on the 24th they are going. Some are planning for the new year, new job, new school, but they're not knowing we are going before the new year. And all of us here, as much as we have prayed, God's will is the one that supersedes everything. I'm not sure whether I will see you next week. I'm not sure whether I will see you next year. And that is why I need to preach the way I'm preaching and ask you a relevant question that makes you comfortable. If you were to go now, are you ready? If you were to go now, are you ready? And when you go through that experience, you go alone. And folks, let me tell you, your elders would know. Some of you, you are not the first ones that are being called when people are dying. I've said, I've stood in places where people were dying. And the scream that they make, it's shocking. I took a man to a hospital the other time when I got there. They wanted to administer the drip and I could see that he could not feel anything. The nurse tried to this side. And all of a sudden, I saw him, his eyes moving in a funny way, and he said, I need water. The nurse said, Mr. Madiba, do you mind to step out of the room? And I stepped out of the room, and it was just a curtain. And I've never heard a man screaming, and the men have known him, I've worked with him for quite some time. I know he's a brave man, but I've never heard a man scream like that in my life. He screamed at the top of his voice. He screamed, and I think they wanted to resuscitate him. And all of a sudden, in no time, the nurse stepped out and said, we tried what we could do. And I had to now to take whatever I had for him and started contacting his family, and it bothered me. Why did that man cry like that? And I realized there's no other way he made the wrong investment. He gambled with his life. But when he was supposed to cash the investment, he realized it was too late and he cried. And we are told, science tells us that before you die, there is a, there is a, uh, a seven-minute brain activity where all the events of your life are now flashing before you. And if you want to know how it happens, any dream that you have ever dreamed, there is no dream that you ever dreamed that was more than three minutes. But in your dream you have seen, you have gone to Cape Town, Zimbabwe, and came back, but it's not more than three minutes. So when you die, your whole life flashes before you. Every action that you ever committed flashes before you. Are we together? And right there, the question would be, have I done the right investment? That's when it dawns on you that being in church was not enough. That's when it dawns on you just 
knowing the pastor was not enough. That's when he dawns on you, just professing to be a message believer is not enough. At that moment, reality strikes. It's a moment of truth. And if you are not ready, you scream at the top of your voice. But if you were ready, you become like that man that called his sons and sons, come here. I want one this side, I want another one this side. May you lift up my hand and say, glory be to God. It was the greatest day when I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. My question is, when when you go, are you going to go out of this world as a good investor or a bad investor? And young men, it's not only old people that are dying. Young people are dying. Young people in their late 20s, they've got strokes. A man perfectly fit, you know, the man that was doing extreme sport, I don't know, Gugu Zulu. He was there in Tanzania climbing up. A man that was fit, but he never came back. And everybody was outstanding that the man was fit, the man was an athlete, he was gone. And I can speak about many people that you know that were running math- marathon. I remember them on my favorite TV personality or radio personality, Vuyombuli. This man was an athlete. He had been running. He was running with the minister of health a week before. A week later, he's watching rugby match. And all of a sudden, he's got a pulmonary attack or a pulmonary disease where there is a clot on his, in, on his lung. And right there, he screams, and he screams, and he dies. And they take him to a private hospital. Specialists could not do anything for him. And my question, your life is not guaranteed. It's like a candle that can be blown away at any time. And my question, are you a good investor? Where have you invested your life on? And folks... The greatest tragedy is for a man that was too close, but yet too far. Too close to the truth, but never accepted it. Had the truth and sympathized with the truth is true. That there's not much I can do. I will see you next week. No, I'll see during the conference. No, I'll see in January. No, I'll see in February. Then you are gone. Your soul rolls on into eternity. You go into a state of what, what would seem like a sleep paralysis. You are not, you are dead. You cannot come back to the earth. You cannot go to heaven because you're not ready. And you are falling into a bottomless pit. That's right. But I remember when he was there, he said, I called for my mother. My mother wasn't there. I called for my father. My father wasn't there. I called for God. God wasn't there. Falling. He said, God have mercy. He said, the only thing that I could say was, uh, was to say, God... I never committed adultery. Let me go back. I'll be a good person. And he comes back. He says, every man that will listen to the tape, stop the tape and make sure that you don't go downward that route. And today I'm simply saying, you do an introspection. Am I ready? If I was to go, am I ready? And I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm just bringing reality home. 
playing church is not enough. At that moment, it's you and the Lord Jesus Christ. And five years from today, you may be in hell. Five years from today, you may be in heaven. Five years from today, you may be a missionary. Five years from today, you may be a prostitute. Five years from today, you may be a renowned Christian, but it depends on your choice today. And you've got to choose. And once you have gone home after the service, reflect on this. How many people are here who have gone to school with certain, their former classmates that know their classmates are gone? Is it only a few? How many? Brothers, no one here where you had a classmate or a relative that is gone. Did you know that they were about to go? Even when they called you and told you, you were shocked. One day, somebody will make a call about you and say, but we're just in service together. We never know when your card may be called out. There's a sister that was preaching in church somewhere. And then as I was preaching, after the service, she went back home, took a seat and said, I feel dizzy. And after she sat down there, the brother was in the other room and overheard the sister talking and wondered what, who is she talking to. By the time the brother came there, found the sister collapsed on the couch. Actually, the brother was not there. It was the relatives. And they thought he was speaking to somebody, but they were in the other room. The brother had gone somewhere to buy, to buy bread. Imagine, leaves the wife, she, she's fine. Goes, rides a bicycle to go and buy bread. The relatives hear the sister talking, they think she's talking to somebody. By the time they come, they realize she collapsed on the couch. When the brother came back to fetch to, from buying the bread, when he comes into the yard, he, found, he finds already uh, the mutuary there. They had already loaded the sister into the house. And that's when he requested, can I see her? She was fine. Just feel dizzy. You may never know when your call, your card may be called out. And even you, married couple, if you're busy fighting, you never know. Brother Branham speaks about a man that left, and he says, on my way I realized, what if after I've gone, something happens to her? Is this the end that I want? He turns, swallowed his pride, and went back and said, Sweetheart, forgive me. Be at peace at all times. God bless you richly. Savior, Savior. How many have made the investment in the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Savior, Savior. Savior, Savior, oh yeah, 
One more time. Mahamal Krai Thank you Lord While on others are called Do not pass me by Let's harm it Let's arm it. Maybe it's time you check your investments. Where have you invested your life in? If there are gaps in your investment, you can speak to our investment official, the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you had a policy with him, but it relapsed because of whatever might have happened along life's journey. This is an opportunity to reinstate your policy with him. There is a heaven to go to, there is a hell to be avoided. I'm not sure five years from now, some of the people will still be here. Maybe I won't be here preaching to you. Maybe you won't be here. I preaching to you. This life cannot be guaranteed, folks. You are old, you are young. All of us need the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us need to make an investment in Him and your life will never perish. Don't gamble with your life. Don't gamble with your life. Do not gamble with your life. Investment is not about wishful thinking. It's about making an informed decision and knowing what returns are you expecting. And I believe all of us, we are standing like the rich young ruler and we are saying, what must I do to inherit the eternal life? Or maybe to put it differently... What assurance can I have that as soon as this body demises, there is hope for me? And folks, sometimes we esteem things that are not eternal very higher than things that are eternal. Your job is not eternal. Your company is not eternal. Your education is not eternal. But your soul is eternal. And one day the soul will leave the body. And when the soul leaves the body, it will not just be a preaching activity, but it will be a reality. It will be a moment of truth. If you're not forced to make to take stock now, at that juncture you will take stock. 
And Lord, may you not be found naked. May you be found dressed in his righteousness. And the choice is yours. The choice is yours. But I can guarantee you, all sermons, all voices that spoke to you at that day will be replayed before you leap into another dimension. I don't know, maybe you'll be crying at the top of your voice if you became irresponsible with your investment. Or maybe you will be singing and say, I can't wait to get to see the saints on the other side. But the choice is yours. I, as a preacher, I cannot make you or force you to make that decision. You can approach life as if life is it's life as usual. But you never know. You never know. And I don't know why I'm preaching this way. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I feel led to do what I'm doing. Make sure that you check your investment. Does the anchor hold? If they call the undertaker to come and fetch your body, will the uptaker be there to fetch your soul? I'm not worried about what the body, what will happen to the body, but I'm worried about what the undertaker will do or the uptaker will do with the soul. There's a point where the body has got to separate from the soul. And that undertaker will take a portion and the uptaker will take a portion depending on how you have lived your life. This life is not a joke, it's a serious, we are in a serious business. Let's harm it again. Maybe you want me to pray with you? Maybe you want to approach the Lord Jesus Christ, but the devil feels like a huge spider on your back. We can pray and release you from the bondage of the devil. And do not be ashamed of him, for he says, whoever is ashamed of me before the people, I shall be ashamed of him before the Father. And whoever is not ashamed of me before the people, I shall not be ashamed of him before the Father. Maybe you can raise your hands if you need me to remember you in prayer.
That's Hamid for the last time. I'm giving you a time to do an introspection. We are not in a hurry. We, you worth so much that we can wait for you. Last time thereafter, we'll talk to him, all of us in the building. can speak to him in your own way. He is your God. He is willing to listen to you. He created you for a reason. You can speak to him. Gracious Heavenly Father, this morning we have looked at the investment and we have looked about how even a human being in the natural, they've got to look at the pros and cons of their investment. And Lord, as believers, we are approaching a throne of mercy. Lord, you have given us a life. And I don't know how many years some of us still have here. 
but we know that any time our cart may be called. But Heavenly Father, help us to be ready for that moment. And Lord, help us to be diligent whenever we approach our own investment. And this morning, dear God, you said in your way, whoever shall keep his life will lose it. But whoever shall lose it for the sake of the gospel, that person shall gain it. And Lord, we just want to approach your throne of mercy. We say, be gracious to us, dear God. There are people that have been within the sound of my voice this morning. Some of them, I've seen them for the first time. Some, I may be seeing them for the last time. But the honors was on me to speak in the manner that I spoke. Some have known them for many years, but I don't know when their card may be called. Lord, there are times when we receive calls where we are told so-and-so is gone. And at at that moment, we are in shock because we never expected that it could be so sudden, which shows that a, a life of a human being is not guaranteed, that every individual has got a time where you will call them. And it doesn't matter whether an individual is surrounded by the best specialists, but when it's time to go, it is time to go. But Heavenly Father, may you be gracious to us this morning. May you remind us of what is valuable. Sometimes we attach things that are not valuable, and we attach a value for such things. But this morning there is nothing as valuable like our souls, dear God. And we came here so that we can hear the gospel And the gospel can speak to our very souls. And I'm praying for these men and women. You know them better than I do. You know their struggles. You know their challenges. You know their imperfections. You know where they need you. But one thing that I know all of us in the building, young and old, women and men, we all need you, dear God. Without you, we can never move forward. Help us, dear God, to be able to invest in a place where earthly thieves cannot access it, dear God. We have been speaking about how people have got an undertaker and they worry about what the undertaker will do with their remains. But uh, we just want to put our focus on the uptaker, dear God. We want to be right with the uptaker. We want our investment to be updated with the uptaker so that when that moment comes, we can sing glorious song and enter that realm as soldiers, dear God, and not be afraid of anything, that our lives can be a testimony, dear God, even for the people that we leave behind. And they can say, so-and-so has left, but in the manner that they have left, it is so encouraging, dear God. We know how people like Brother Bosworth, when they reached that juncture, they were able to interact with a visible audience, and they were able to interact with an invisible audience, And we've seen others that were screaming at the top of their voices. And this morning, these men and women that I preach to, may you pinch their conscience, dear God, that they come to the realization that we may be planning for tomorrow, but they may not be tomorrow. We may be planning for next week, they may not be next week. We may be planning for next year, they may not be next year. But at this point in time, we approach you and we say, God, may you be merciful, dear God. May you be merciful to us. And we are standing like David of the old, who said, Search me, Lord. And if there is anything evil in my heart, take it away. And that's our desire this morning. So that when that time comes, we shall be so well prayed up and so well ready, dear God, as we commit every man and woman in the building here. 
Our prophet has taught us that the Holy Ghost is an inside teacher. As people go back to their household, may the inside teacher keep on talking to them and become the after speaker, dear God. We commit every person to you for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you. In the cross, in the cross. And then we are back here at 4.34 o'clock, 4 o'clock exactly on the dot to participate in the communion. It will be our last communion for the year. And then there's three ordinances that Brother Bram says Christ has left for us. It's baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's communion and it's food washing. And all those things we do then because we've got a part with him. It's not just an activity or a ritual of some sort. We approach it with some level of understanding and discernment and knowing what we are doing. Amen. Let's just say, sing, keep me near the cross. Then after you are dismissed, we'll see you at four o'clock. Amen. In the cross, in the cross, be my Lord. Thank you, Lord.